everybody on behalf of the Celebration Band. We're glad you're tuning in with us.
Last night I was uh, watching the movie The Martian. Have y'all ever watched that movie? I know it's just a movie, um, but it's about this guy that gets left behind uh, on a NASA mission to Mars, and he has to learn how to survive and even grow his own plants and and all of these things for for over a year. And I thought, I, you know, I know this is just a movie, but if uh, if people can think of things to do like that, if um, I mean, I'm no NASA scientist, but we can figure this thing out, and we can do it, can't we? Yeah. All right. So uh, Luke chapter 24 is the scripture we're going to look at today. We'll look at the passage from verses 13 through 35, the story of the walk to Emmaus. Um, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35 this morning. Now on that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while, you're wa- while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter in his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead of them as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road 
and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it was a little over two years ago now, um, and we had just gotten the call. Um, and if you are a Methodist minister or you're um, married to one or you're the child of one, you know what I mean uh, this time of the year when you get the call. And we had gotten the call from the district superintendent telling us that we were going to be moving to Gadsden, Alabama. Um, so we got the call on Thursday and on Saturday of that week, uh, we made a road trip um, all five of us and our family made a road trip to Gadsden because we wanted to see this new place where we were going to be living. We wanted to see where we were going to be living. We wanted to see the new church we'd be serving. We wanted to see the new parsonage we'd be living in. Uh, Michael and Allison really wanted to see the new high school they would be attending. And it was a beautiful spring day. And we drove all around and saw the, the sights. And so we, we parked downtown and walked around a little bit. And... We, we got in front of the, the beautiful brass door on 5th Street uh, that comes into our, our sanctuary, and we had a, someone to make our picture standing in front of that brass door, and we still had that picture framed in our house. It, it, was, uh, uh, it was a special day. Um, now, we didn't know where to eat because we were complete, uh, completely new in town, uh, and we wanted to eat somewhere different. So uh, Tammy asked one of her students uh, for a good place to eat, what she would recommend. And uh, they said, well, you know, you could have dinner at Trey Regazzi's. And so we thought, okay, that sounds uh, nice and Italian. And so we did. We, had, we went to Trey Regazzi's, and uh, we thought we were going to just get in there and get a quick dinner and then drive back home. And so we went in. We had no idea that it was prom night. Gaston City High School and so we waited a long long time for our delicious food that night and while we sat there on those uh, benches or chairs or wherever you wait uh, and we looked at all of the the young people coming in in their tuxes and their long formal gowns and and um, I'm sure that my kids were thinking well I wonder if I'm gonna know go to school with any of those or uh, I wonder if any of them are in our church. or. Um, but I was looking across at Tammy, and she was looking across at me, and we both thought something that we didn't have to say out loud, and it was something like this. What we have us here is a time of transition. And we didn't have to say that because we've been married so long, but we didn't have to say that because, well, one, we've been through this before, this time of transition. Um, Methodist preachers' families move from time to time. But there is a bigger reason why this could go unsaid between us is because it's always a time of transition. There's never any other time except a time of transition. In fact, rumor has it uh, that when they were leaving the Garden of Eden, Eve looked at Adam and said, Honey, what we have us here is a time of transition. And we've been transitioning ever since. It's just reality. It's just reality. And reality is one of the big words I want us to think about this morning. I've got five big Emmaus words 
that I want us to think about today. And the first is reality. It's a good idea just to touch base with reality every now and then. Now, some of you are thinking about somebody that you know right now that is out of touch with reality, and that's not good. But every now and then, we just need to touch base and say, okay, here's where we are. Here's the situation. And every now and then, I have to, well, I don't know, every now and then, about 10 times a day, I have to have a little pep talk with myself and say, okay, here is the scoop. This is it. Here's the reality. And here's my little pep talk. It usually goes something like this. I would really like to, and then fill in the blank, but reality is I can't do that because of the quarantine. Or like I would really like to uh, sit at a table and eat, a, eat Mexican food and have bowl after bowl of salsa and queso brought to me. Uh, I would really like to do that with friends and family, but I can't do that because of the social distancing. So if, if you have had to do something like that and had a pet talk, maybe you can relate to this. Um, it's the quarantine, it's the coronavirus, it's the COVID-19. I saw someone put something on Facebook and I think it's pretty true for the South. They said in the South, we don't say coronavirus and we don't say COVID-19. We say something like everything that's going on. Um, like, um, y'all know what I mean? Like with everything that's going on, I can't get my hair colored right now. Mine's normally this color anyway. But y'all know what I mean. It's the reality. And reality is always about some kind of transition. Think about the reality that Cleophas and his companion had on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. One of the people was named Cleophas, and the other one is not named in Scripture, but, you know, I think it's his wife Mary uh, for a couple of different reasons that I, I, I'll go into uh, if you talk to me later. But uh, just for argument's sake, we'll say Cleopas and Mary, they're walking along from Jerusalem to Emmaus, about a seven-mile trip. So they've got time to talk, right? And here is the reality for them. Uh, here's the reality. Cleopas turns to Mary and says, Honey, what we have us here is a transition. And that was it. <laughs> what, what they'd been going through. What they'd been going through was something like this. Uh, they'd seen Jesus. He'd been arrested in the garden and hauled off like a criminal. He had gone through the mockery uh, of a trial. Meantime, his closest followers just all ran away from him and abandoned and deserted him. Uh, he was sentenced to death. He was crucified, dead, and buried in a borrowed tomb. And that was the reality. And then, on top of that, there were these strange reports from some women who were part of their group who had gone early that first Easter morning to prepare Jesus' bodies with the embalming spices. And they said what they found was the stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty and there were two angels that were there and told them that Jesus had risen from the dead. So that was there everything that's going on that was their reality that they were talking about but remember reality is always transition as a matter of fact if you're a note taker you could just write this down 
Reality equals transition, as illustrated by the next thing that happens in the story. Cleopas and Mary are discussing everything that's going on, and then someone joins them. This is our next big mega Emmaus word, and it's presence. In the midst of everything that is going on, Jesus came near and walked beside them. Now let me just pause here. Just in case you haven't already been feeling this story to be more than just a story in the scripture, but to be your story, to be our story, let me just stop right here and say it's our story. It's all of our story because all of our reality right now is a reality of transition. When we get through this and we go on, whatever normal will be out there after this is over is not going to be the old normal. It's going to be a new normal. Uh, It might make us feel a little bit uneasy. It might make us feel like our equilibrium is thrown off a little bit. But listen to this next word. Presence. You see, Jesus came near and walked with Cleopas and Mary in their transition, in their reality, And the risen Christ is with us too. The risen Christ is with us too. Now, somebody type an amen in the comment section there. I don't know. I'm having to get used to having to do this. Um, So, the risen Christ is with us too. Jesus comes and he says, what are y'all talking about? In verse 17, it says that they stood still and they just looked at him. And they were sad. They didn't recognize him. That's our third big mega Emmaus word is recognition. Uh, They just, they didn't recognize him. Now, before we're too hard on Cleopas and Mary not recognizing Jesus, we need to realize that not recognizing Jesus after the resurrection is the typical way that his followers responded, at least initially. In Luke 24, the disciples thought they were seeing a ghost when they saw Jesus. In John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene thought she was seeing the gardener when she saw the resurrected Christ. But they failed to recognize him. I wonder if we don't do the same thing, if we fail to recognize Jesus when we see him. In Matthew 25, 40, uh, we read that just as we have done... It to the least of those who are members of Christ's family, we have done it unto him. Mother Teresa was one who took that message to heart as she was helping the uh, sick and the dying on the streets of Calcutta, one by one by one. In each person, she recognized what she called, pardon my allergies, what she called Christ in his most distressing disguise. She recognized Christ in his most distressing disguise. So Cleopas and Mary didn't recognize Jesus right away. I always found it interesting that the scripture says that they were kept from recognizing him. And I wonder what that was all about. I wonder what kept them from recognizing Jesus initially. Were they blinded by what they expected to see? Uh, Were they just kind of shell-shocked? 
Or maybe Jesus chose to remain hidden so that he would have time to prepare them through his teaching and through the breaking of the bread. Maybe it's just that the truth was so brilliant they couldn't take it all at once. It reminds me of something I read by Emily Dickinson. It says, truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. Something's just at the dawn on us. So maybe where you are, you're starting to recognize Christ's presence with you in maybe some new and unique ways these days. I really hope so. If you have uh, something that we might call a God sighting, if you have a way that you have recognized Christ's presence in a special way lately, tell me about that. Put it in the comments and share it with me. Share it with someone who is struggling right now. That will really help them. Now, I know it's not easy always to share things like that, to share what God's doing in, in your life, to share a, a God sighting with someone. It takes a little bit. It takes a little bit of what this next word is, the fourth big Emmaus word, and that is vulnerability. It takes vulnerability. And look, I see vulnerability all over this story of the walk to Emmaus. You see, the stranger comes alongside Cleopas and Mary on the road to Emmaus, and they are deep in conversation. And this stranger says, what are you talking about? What is it you've been discussing? And they tell him. Now, have you ever thought about how much vulnerability it took for them to tell him the truth about what they were talking about? They could have just said, um, nothing. You know, we're just talking about stuff. And who could have blamed them? I mean, they had aligned themselves with Jesus, and Jesus had just been arrested, and Jesus had just been crucified. And don't you think his followers might have been a little concerned that the same thing might happen to them? Maybe there were spies from the Roman government. Maybe there were spies from the, the scribes and Pharisees and, and the Jewish leaders who were looking to try to round up Jesus' followers. So that was a loaded question. Hey, what are y'all talking about? What are you discussing there? But Cleopas and Mary opened up. And they asked this stranger one of the most ironic questions I've ever seen in the Bible. They asked him, are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on here in Jerusalem? Are you the only one who doesn't know? Which is ironic because Jesus was the only one who really did know the truth. He was the truth. So Jesus then is vulnerable, vulnerable enough to let Cleopas and Mary talk things out at their own pace. Jesus asked an open-ended questions. Do you not know the things that are going on? Jesus said, what things? Oh, of course Jesus knew, but he let them talk it out. He let them unfold this reality at their own pace, and they told him, haven't you heard about Jesus the prophet, mighty indeed before God and the people? Jesus of Nazareth, crucified, and then some uh, words that just leap off the page to me in verse 21. These four words, but we had hoped. But we had hoped. 
Now, what had they hoped? They, they had hoped that Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel. And when I say redeem, you've got to hear the echoes of the Israelites being freed from slavery in Egypt. They had hoped. They had hoped. When they saw Jesus ride into town that day on Palm Sunday with the branches of the palms waving and the crowd shouting, Hosanna, they thought maybe this Passover will be the Passover that the Messiah liberates them from pagan domination. But if Jesus, is, if he was going to be that one, well, then he should have been defeating the pagans, not being crucified by them. You see, they had misread the story. They had seen all of Scripture as a story about how God was going to redeem his people from suffering instead of how God would redeem them through suffering. And that's when Jesus patiently taught them from the beginning of Moses all the way through the prophets that it all had to happen this way, that the Messiah must suffer. And Cleopas and Mary listened, not just with their ears, but with their hearts. And that's real vulnerability, to listen with your heart. So they got into town. They got near uh, Cleopas and Mary's home. And in another act of vulnerability, Cleopas and Mary invited this stranger, who was really Jesus, to stay with them in their home and have dinner with them. And it was when Jesus was at the table with them and when he blessed the bread and he broke it. Does that sound familiar? He blessed the bread and he broke it. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And they had to go and tell the good news. It was almost dark. It was almost dark. They had just walked for seven miles. I'm sure they were exhausted mentally and physically, but they were ready to walk or jog the seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell everybody what had gone on because that first seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they had walked in sadness. Now this trip back to Jerusalem was going to be filled with hope. Filled with hope. And that's our last big Emmaus mega word today, hope. Remember the words that I told you that jumped off the page at me in verse 21, but we had hoped. Can you feel the melancholy in those words? But we had hoped. We didn't really want it to be this way. We didn't really want it to be this way. I wonder what what you have been hoping for the last six weeks. Many of you had, had hoped, we had hoped, we'd hoped we'd still be working, that our, our, our jobs, our, our livelihood would be growing and thriving, but we had hoped. We had hoped we were going to get to have that birthday party. We'd hoped. We'd hoped we were going to get to have prom. We'd hoped. We had hoped. On Tuesday nights at 6.30, I mentioned earlier in the announcements, Pastor Kerry is leading a study called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, about how to find strength when you're disappointed and when you're broken. Uh, this is some, something that's really ringing true with people's hearts right now because, I mean, we, we didn't advertise this heavily. And I think the first week uh, we had like 75 people. Is that right, Kerry? 
Um, we had like something like 75 people who participated in an online Bible study. It's not supposed to be this way. You see, we all need a word of hope right now. Uh, we all can feel this, but we had hoped melancholy. We had all hoped it would be different. And y'all, we all feel that sadness when we see that that 50,000 Americans and 200,000 people worldwide have died so far from this awful pandemic. Their loved ones had hoped they would still be with them, or they hoped that if they passed, they certainly wouldn't have passed from a virus like this. Tens of millions of people have lost their jobs or some form of income because of this pandemic. It's not supposed to be this way. We're not supposed to have to cancel our wedding or party or graduation ceremony. None of this is supposed to be happening. We didn't hope for any of this, did we? But it's our reality. Or so we think. But hear the good news. Hear the gospel story again this morning. See, our reality includes the presence of the risen Christ. Christ walks beside us on our journey. Remember how I said this Emmaus story isn't just about the scripture. It's our story. It's our story. Can we recognize that? Can we recognize that? That's the question. We've looked at the five words, reality and presence and recognition and vulnerability and hope. But do you know the word that I think is the real key to ending up with a hope-filled heart and purpose-filled feet as we move forward? The real key word there, I think, is vulnerability. And I'm not saying this because vulnerability comes easily or naturally to me. It's a very uncomfortable thing for me. It may be partly because I'm a guy. It may be partly because of the way I'm wired or my even my DNA or whatever. And you say, well, Pastor Sam, you preach all the time and you teach all the time. Isn't that being vulnerable? Well, to some extent, but it's not like the kind of emotional exposure that Cleopas and Mary had with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. It's not the kind of opening up of hearts that it takes for us to be honest before God and to experience real hope. May our eyes be opened today. May we find the hope once again. May we, like Cleopas and Mary, feel our hearts burn again within us, burning with hope that the risen Christ is with us and then pass it along. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the hope that is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We thank you for your presence with us, even in our struggles, even in our transition even in a reality that we didn't ask for. Help us to see you, Lord. Show yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen.